what's going on thank you for clicking on another episode another link i appreciate everybody who listens to the podcast uh if you guys like it please follow it on whatever podcasting platform you guys use and share it with a friend that's the most effective way in which people will know about the show and i truly truly appreciate that uh so today's episode i recorded uh, a few weeks ago i want to say a little over a month ago with Trey John Dunkley talking about everything history and this was one of the most intellectually satisfying conversations i had word of caution though we did have some audio issues just with uh, it being remote so bear with the audio and uh, i think if you can ignore the audio it's a great episode that i had a good time and you know recording and uh, have being a part of the conversation we start out talking about mortgages but i chopped that part off so you'll hear us reference that right at the top so here's abroad talks to Trey John Dunkley so trey john like so to to get like you know started on the on the main thing that we want to like talk about or the main set of things we oh, want to talk about this is the mortgage process this is the mortgage <laughs> podcast <laughs> i mean dude it can be a, any type of podcast we want it to be there's no rules or anything but i i do want to talk about ancient mortgages that we still have Absolutely. to pay to history <laughs> that was smooth um, kind of kind of smooth not not really but a little bit <laughs> Um, I guess that's a good way to describe reparations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is an ancient mortgage white people have defaulted on. Yeah, I guess it's a, it's some sort of an annuity that uh, that society has to pay. I mean, yeah, there's like different. There's a, there's a moral argument, and then there's the fiscal argument, and I've I've heard like a few debates and few discussions around it, and again. Uh, it's just a pretty big price uh, tag to to fulfill that from like a more pragmatic standpoint and i'm not speaking to the obviously the the moral precedent i think the moral precedent is pretty much there there's like yeah. uh, not a lot lot of people that can make a real case against it uh, outside of saying oh so how far are you going to go back that's like the only like sort mm-hmm. of pointage people can make you know how far do you go back but outside of that the, the moral case is not that hard but the, the fiscal like ha- pragmatic case of how do you like you know come up with a whatever 30 trillion 50 trillion whatever the price cap is mm-hmm. on that price tag that's the harder question so i think i think about the f- the fiscal element and i think a lot of people are just caught up on like giving like every black person a lump sum Yeah. which isn't necessarily like that's like the philosophical thing like what if we repaid black people for the unpaid labor but i don't think like i i have read arguments that it's not necessarily that we're looking for a lump sum like mm. would it be cool if the government cut me a 3 million dollar check <laughs> yeah is that really going to help me like help me build generational wealth and prosperity for my family no So, so I think I think well I think more in terms of like um cuz the original offer to the free slaves was 40 acres and a mule 40 mm-hmm. acres and a mule to build a farm that you can then pass on to your children and they can pass on to their children and so forth so I honestly think um, like my ideal reparations is every black person gets their own house or like hmm. get the capital to like buy property right or like buy a business you so know like whatever property mm-hmm. that they want to get right okay so and like again just the the pragmatic element of it i've heard like two two methodologies of how they've tried to come up with a number one is the the 40 acres and a mule they take that mm-hmm. you know 
in the year mm-hmm. 1857 whatever the year was and then you like account for inflation and like a 7% annual compounding of you know, like like equity and uh, equity growth and that and that mm-hmm. thing basically comes out to like a 10000 trillion dollars total or something like that right yeah like some like quadrillion or something yeah yeah some something just like, like that. abstract like, like that much wealth doesn't even exist in the world yeah. like that kind of a but that makes a lot of like really really like leaping assumptions so in terms of you know it's growing every year on an average with 8% which you know it's it's not it's not completely accurate but again we are dealing with something that's from you know over 150 years old so you do have to make assumptions the other one which is a little more uh, uh, clear and a little more practical is they take a differential between the median net worth not income net mm-hmm. worth of uh, uh i guess they're calling it ados american descendants of slavery and mm-hmm. and uh, white americans i don't know how they mm-hmm. they make those categories but so the difference between them is i think about 100000 dollars or you know close to 100000 dollars and mm-hmm. that is as the as what is being proposed that that differential of net worth needs mm-hmm. to be paid out even that cap is again like close to 100 trillion dollars uh, maybe a little less but that's what uh, you know 100000 not the 3 million trajan 100,000 that's yeah. what they're talking about. <laughs> I mean, if the government would like to come you 100,000 check out, we'll also take that. Yeah, I mean, I think the rapper like reparations is nice as an idea, but I mean just giving every black person a lump sum whether it's $100,000 or however much doesn't really solve the problem of dismantling institutional racism. Like yeah. my i i kind of have like more of a like philosophical horse in this game particularly cuz my parents my parents are immigrants my mother mm-hmm. is from jamaica right. and in a sense jamaica did kind of get reparations because they got their independence so now they're able to govern their own affairs make their own government and things like that and american descendants of slavery don't really have that option mm-hmm. you know So that's like that's kind of where I am at. Like I don't want the money as much as like like it's like the reparations argument is coming up again with like because yeah, of like George Floyd, but that but yeah, but it's also weird cuz like we're not asking for money, we're literally just asking for black men to stop being murdered in the streets. So yeah. it's weird like okay, well if I give you $100,000, will you stop caring about that? Like no, because like even if like white people and black people are making like the same amounts of money, like even if there was like a one to one dollar um comparison yeah there is parity even you're saying this you know even if there's economic parity there isn't social parity and it's going to take time yeah. you know for that economic parity to like convert itself into social parity and then there's exactly obviously yeah. like a race is like you know it's mixing at a very rapid rate and like and a certain num- amount of years you know, america is going to be majority minority that's the cliche people mm-hmm. use and and it's the racial makeup is going to look different and as it is like the racial like you know identification is is mostly arbitrary it's self identification mostly uh, there's no like real uh, from what i understand again and uh, and you can chime in if this is isn't the case in your understanding is there isn't like a set criteria that you no know, like a biological criteria that you can put together and say yeah this person uh, is race x and this person is race y it's all a 
gish gallop oh, mixture yeah. of a lot of things and then there's self identification which comes culturally there's cultural self identification and that's race and that's what we are talking about right yeah absolutely and i mean like even like i find like the hispanic latino ethnicity to be really interesting when it comes to race because a lot of people particularly like white americans think of hispanic latino as its own separate race like mm-hmm. people are white black hispanic asian which is not the case yeah that is not the case. Bl- yeah. like i think like even i think even majority of latinos are black because there's like a huge black population oh, in cuba course. there's a huge black population in brazil like yeah. everywhere because again slavery so like they're black hispanics they're white hispanics of maybe course. they're asian hispanics i don't know i'm sure there are uh, so like yeah and, so that is interesting actually the the you complete your thought i'm going to say something about that mm-hmm. uh no i was just saying like with with brazil brazil is a very particularly interesting example yeah. i don't know if there's asian hispanics but obviously brazil is almost like america in a sense that you know you mm-hmm. you have the you had the native population and then the european population to showed up and then there was slavery and so you you have like white european uh, descendants who are you know majority mm-hmm. white and then you have you know black you know descendants of slavery and then you had like a swath of immigrants coming in from japan Uh, mm-hmm. around world war 2 so i don't know if they would count as hispanic uh, asians but brazil has has the highest uh, number of japanese uh, has number of japanese people outside of japan and the world yeah well at that point then there there are asian latinos you know yeah. if you were like raised you know even if you are you know of an asian phenotype and you're but you're like third generation yeah. brazilian you're you brazilian speak portuguese brazilian, yeah that's what you do you're, yeah you're a latino Um like my my boyfriend is um Brazilian and his family is considered white Brazilian. Yeah. And like if you look at him like he looks white cuz he's half white. But if you look at like his dad and his grandma, they look Hispanic. Yeah. And like they are treated differently in America, but when they're back in Brazil, they're considered white because they're much lighter than like I I'm, I'm yeah. I'm relatively dark skinned. I I found out I'm pale for my skin type, but just you for are? the people like, I I don't know how that works out. I mean Yeah, I I also didn't know how that works, but my boyfriend was like, "You need sun. You're looking really pale." I'm like, "How can you tell?" <laughs> it's it's the Scottish in you kind of creeping yeah, in. Yeah, it it's the Scottish in me. <laughs> so um, that that yeah, must be very little Scottish if I were to fucking chime in. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then it's and then there's the other thing like I'm Scottish. Like my mom is a quarter Scottish. and mm. me and all of my siblings are an eighth scottish obviously that's how genetics work yeah. um but me and my brother are like super dark and then my sisters are very pale but we all come from the same mother you know yeah. like it doesn't even within families like race and oh. like colorism doesn't make any sense and it's yeah. weird that that's yeah it's a little bit of a weird arbitrary mm-hmm. yeah like it's weird that this weird arbitrary thing is what we decided to base our entire global culture on Yeah it's yeah. like it's, it's a little bit of a biological genetic like roll of the dice you know what happens mm-hmm. and then that that that's your makeup of of I know how you look uh and and that's the thing like ideally in an idea in a post racial world I know you think of somebody's uh, race as 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 you think of somebody's hair color right you know mm-hmm. you're blonde or brunette or you have black hair it's that level of genetic variability we are talking about and like the like back in the day they had the what do they call the critical race theory and like you know this this mm-hmm. race is you know superior inferior that's what kind of laid the foundation for a lot of the stuff that happened you know 
uh, oh, yeah, for over a period like of either 2000 years, you know? I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, even for, so that, I guess, critical race theory is recent, but even in general, going back, you know, a few thousand years, uh, that's how they identified uh, themselves as, oh, the inferior, superior, because this was visually so, so visceral that, okay, you can make out that difference. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. stark, the difference, and that's, I guess, where it comes from. Yeah, I, because I, in, because I know, like, pretty much, like, around cultures, like, there's been the idea of like lighter skinned people being oh. seen as more noble, but that's like more of a, like a practical thing. Cause like, if you have light skin, it's cause you're probably not working in the fields all day. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. just, like having light skin is a mark of nobility. Like, Oh, you have the money to have other people work for you. Yeah. That is a good point. And then it just kind of became like, Oh, well all white people must be good because they all have like really light skin. Oh, dude, That is a good point. I hadn't thought of it uh, through that lens. And like, just talking about mm-hmm. colorism, right? Like within mm-hmm. India, we're talking about how diverse like Brazil is. Like India is like mm-hmm. super diverse. Um, mm-hmm. Just uh, it's probably it's what a fourth of the size of uh, the United States in terms of landmass, but it's got like insane diversity in terms of cultures and mm-hmm. languages and different kinds of people. Um, there's a lot of colorism there. You've probably heard this going around, but you people really and it's out there it's not uh, under under the wraps or anything it's like socially acceptable almost it's changing a little mm-hmm. bit now but it's socially accept- acceptable to say ah she she's dark skin she is no good you know and when they mm-hmm. then they, they uh, put out ads to in on matrimony sites you know dating sites matrimony mm-hmm. sites they 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 say that you know fair skin light skin they they like people like to have that because again they associate that with, with some sort of uh, you know uh, an indication of nobility or being an upper class person mm-hmm. yeah i i yeah i because I, I was gonna bring up like the fact that you're you you are indian so you probably have like even i like i'm not gonna say like a more in-depth but like you understand colorism a lot more than like i feel like a lot of other immigrants might and like yeah. especially since like if if i'm correct like the caste system has been around for like thousands of years and mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with colorism correct yeah it's just again yeah a lot of combination of a lot of things the caste system and then obviously colonization british colonization kind of, mm-hmm. of reinforced that um and with, with the caste system it was not a colorist type of a thing before it was more of a of a bloodline and and a people from a certain uh, lineage and family He's the priest class, and this is the warrior class, and this is you know the, the business class, uh, you know people who do business, and then there's the people mm. who you know fucking clean up shit, and that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Your son's supposed to do that, and them's the rules, bro. Like you can't fucking change, you can't skip over, you know, you can't like open mm-hmm. up a waste management business and jump over to the business class. You gotta just like on an uh-huh. individual level clean shit. It's like horrible stuff, and like uh-huh. it definitely plagues like the country even till now. Again, things have been improving. It's not that they haven't been. So, but that uh, the the colorism thing kind of was co-opted, and and they kind of got mixed in together. But it didn't start off as a colorism thing because I think pretty mm-hmm. much everybody, uh, the the core group of people within northern India where this started, uh, and they, there's the Aryan invasion theory where people from the Caucasus mm-hmm. came down into India. And and those are the people that like you know wrote the Vedas and wrote all these doctrines that that speak about casteism, and that's where it started. Everybody kind of more or less looked the same, and then mm-hmm. from what I understand, and I may be misspeaking a little bit here, but colorism kind of came afterwards. Okay, that makes sense. That's super interesting. Like Indian history is one of those 
one of those histories that is always super fascinating to me, but I have no idea where the fuck to start because it's just yeah, so it, sprawling oh, and it yeah. is like 5,000 years of just like, cause like I'm like, I'm super into like Roman history and like mm-hmm. English history. And those are very small, like relatively small land masses. Like it's one city, it's one Island, but Indian history is like an entire like continent with like, 500 different histories that you oh, have yeah. to get into. Yeah, because yeah. Indian history, like, that in itself is almost like a misnomer because it was there was no, like, one India, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that that didn't exist. Um, so, so there were probably thousands of different, like, principalities and kingdoms and uh, and, and and there were, like, several empires that, that came in that tried to capture the entire subcontinent, you know, the Indian subcontinent, mm-hmm. present-day India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, Nepal, like uh, Afghanistan, too. So that whole thing was pretty much, like, you know, that was the prized possession. That's what everybody wanted mm-hmm. who who tried to capture that. But you're right, like, it, if you, like, you know, where, where do you start? You, I guess you have to start at the Indus Valley Civilization and then go from mm-hmm. there. And when the Indus Valley Civilization, like they had, I guess, the big flood or whatever, um, they moved uh, you know, further down south into the Deccan Plateau and then the Aryan invasion. And I know like this is what we were taught, like we were taught a lot of this in school, but you know how it is in school, right? Like like history, at least for me personally in school, it sucked because the people who were yeah. teaching it sucked. They didn't tell stories because that's that's such an important thing. Human brains respond to stories. And I, I didn't even know the, that fact until like a few years ago, like reading a book, like, okay, holy shit, this makes sense. That's why we like stories because that's how our brain can make sense of information. And they just fucking read facts. You know, Battle of Panipat, fucking, you know, 1692. I'm like, dude, come on. Like, mm-hmm. there's so so many characters at play here. And they did, like, a very big disservice, I would say. Yeah, that is one of, like, like history is one of my huge passions. And that is one of the things that always infuriates me. Like, I will have a lot of friends who will be like, oh, history is so boring. I don't know why you like it so much. And I automatically ask them, have you read a history book since you graduated high school? And yeah. the answer is usually no. Because, it, especially, like, this is a problem with all public schools right now and all, um, like, all this. It's just teaching to the test. It's just yeah. know when the Civil War was. Know who the general was. Don't yeah. know anything about just them. Just dates and facts. But, yeah, just dates and facts. And that's not how human beings connect. That's not how mm. we work. Like, I like I love Anne Boleyn. Like, she's a personal friend of mine. <laughs> just because, <laughs> like, I, I've read so many, like, histories and, like, historical fiction and seen so many movies about her that mm-hmm. like i like obviously like nobody can really know the characteristics of, of these people who lived 500 years ago but there are so many characteristics that have been documented about her mm-hmm. that you can kind of see her as a full-blooded person yeah and, yeah, and yeah. that's the kind of history that i like like i Absolutely. like i used to hate american history i used to think it was so stupid and like boring um and then i started listening to this podcast the dollop which is all about wacky uh, stories from I, american I, I, history. I, I, I definitely used to listen to that. It's this, this very funny podcast, too. Oh, it's so great. Listen to the dollop, y'all. <laughs> it really, like, changed my idea of American history because I never really thought about, like, connecting these dots. Yeah. Like, even even though I am American, like, I'm a natural-born American, I never thought about what the American character is. And the American character is, like, ludicrous arrogance. Yeah, <laughs> because, like, from, if like, it has to be one person. to now, yeah. it's just like, let me just jump off this buffalo shooting my gun in the air. <laughs> and that's fun. And they don't talk about it enough in, in schools. Yeah, and on the off chance I land on my feet, it's going to be fucking great. Like, that's the whole, <laughs> that's the whole idea, right? America's motto might as well just be hold my beer. <laughs> 
so just like this this idea of like you know the discipline of history and you're saying you know and we both agree there's like public school system here or public school system where i come from and even private schools i don't think private schools are would be doing like something completely different because the whole idea like everybody's idea of education is that and i and i did a podcast with ryan garrisich you know he's he's you know obviously he teaches history in school we didn't go into like history specifically but just the, the education schooling system and he spoke very vividly about like how ridiculous the the, le- the ridiculous levels to which it is you know teach to the test and everything is about the test and everything is just like so centered around the test so there's there's no real teaching or learning happening yeah and i mean the test isn't what you're going to remember like i don't remember what answers i had on my sats i don't mm-hmm. even remember my sat score mm-hmm. but what i remember is those teachers who really like like, I remember plots from the books that I read. Um, I remember um, moments in, like, history class. I remember math teachers who, like, I you remember, like, we were talking about, you remember stories, you remember moments, you remember human emotions. Yeah. And, like, there are some, like, core things that, like, you need to know in order to study things. Like, I do believe in, like, getting behind the theory of anything that you you teach like if you want to if you want to learn how to write you obviously need to understand grammar and syntax and themes and things like that but just teaching to a test it's it's all about getting funding for schools yeah and sure you can get a hundred thousand more dollars if everyone gets an a plus on this test but then you're sending a bunch of people like you're sending 400 people with no passion and no understanding about the world around them into a world yeah that they now have to live in for the next 50 years you and, know? Like, and and then you're leaving an open-ended thing here so that person can be motivated by something else and that could be some, exactly. some horrible thing you know maybe they're inflicting harm on others or inflicting harm on themselves so you're just like le- leaving this like open like a live wire into this pool that is you know that is the world and society yeah, and like we're just sending so many like 18 year olds just directionless and just telling them yeah. go to college doesn't matter what you go to college for just go to college you'll figure it out and that's yeah. not that's and not frankly i don't think that they're doing like a, a, a good job even teaching in colleges like you know obviously i've not studied studied the humanities and like these these the, these these disciplines in in college but from what what i understand it's it's not like uh, it's it's not ideal even even the, there's there's problems to to how education is in in the colleges as well because they have their own criteria and they, their own agendas yeah. It really depends on the professor because there are some professors who only are there to get research funding. So they could care less about their goddamn class. They were just worried about their book. And yeah. then there are some professors who really do have a passion for creating fully realized human beings, you know? Yeah. And and you can tell the difference. Like I've had some professors who were just like, who talked about their, their newest research project the whole time and didn't care if you answer any questions you talk to their ta like it didn't matter and then i have professors who are still like my best friends because they like took an interest in their students and really sat down and said what do you want from this world what do you want to bring to it yeah. you know sure for sure so so when did you start getting an interest or realize that you're super interested in history like was it in, in high school or before that so, so, so what happened Oh God, it was before that really. I, the first moment when I, the first like spark of like me being in the history was I got a book about Cleopatra. I was about nine years old 
Um, and it was just like, it was one of those, it was a Royal Diary series. Like there was the, um, like the American Diary series of like, mm. I'm from the Civil War, here's my diary. Mm. And they had one um, that were like fictional diaries of like queens when they were like teenagers. Right. And I got that book when I was like nine and I read it like eight times in like wow. the next three months. Cause I was just so fascinated. It was just such like an intriguing story. And I was like, oh, she's like me. She's 12 and she's confused and she misses her parents and all of that. Um, and then mm. my mom, who has always been like super encouraging about everything, like every, like all the interests that I have, as long as they weren't heroin, yeah. um, she, she noticed that like, oh, you meth like is okay. Like capital meth, meth. Meth totally fine. Yeah. Um, and then my mom was like, oh, I noticed you like this Cleopatra lady. Here's a 900-page <laughs> <laughs> novel that I stole from work about Cleopatra. Mm. And I was a bookish child, so I nah. devoured it. And then yeah. I just wanted to know everything about her. I was so interested. So I just Googled Cleopatra, mm. and I read, like, the Wikipedia page. I read all of these articles. Like, I just got so into it. And from there you kind of branch off. It's kind of like that Wikipedia game, like oh, try and get okay. from Britney Spears to Tiger Head Sharks and 40 Clicks. That's yeah, the bottomless pit of, of Wikipedia. Exactly. So, so like, when you're researching Cleopatra, you learn about like the Caesar fella, and then you hear about the Caesar fella, and then you hear about this guy, and then, oh, Roman law inspired the American Constitution, and it just keeps going and going and going, you know? Wow. So Cleopatra was 12 when she was queen? Uh, no, this was... No. <laughs> <laughs> before she was um the diary it's a fake i wouldn't diary. be surprised yeah, though a um, lot of kings and queens just like you know 11 year old and 12 year old and like since at 17 he's fought 17 battles and it's just all that insane oh, yeah. stuff it's like so the idea of yeah, age we, and like what what you're supposed to do at what age kind of has evolved yeah well people died of like scurvy at 30 back then so like um no yeah. cleopatra actually well she became queen when she was 18 which i'm 26 and that still feels ungodly young to me <laughs> yeah of course yeah. um but yeah she was she was coordinated when she was 18 and then was queen for the next 21 years yeah interesting and and so okay so cool man so that's like you know kind of uh your interest in history but like just a a general like question that i i've been thinking about more and more lately is Everybody refers to history uh, when they're talking about current events and what's going on in the world, and we don't need we don't need another you know blitzkrieg. We don't need another third Reich. We don't need the fourth Reich, and like they're like always references to recent history. But I think there's like a lot of lessons to be learned uh, if you keep going further back and studying history from you know like ancient history, if you can call it that, ancient medieval history. Mm -hmm. But that people don't think about. I know the world has changed a lot in terms of how we do things but it's still humans and and still i think the same motivations that that lead people to do things why do you think like more people don't like kind of look to to further you know further back in history when when these things are being discussed and and trying to make sense of the world through the lens of history oh that is a really good question I think it might just be lack of knowledge, hmm. especially in America, because our history really starts at 1620. Yeah. So a lot of Americans don't really think that far, like, like conceptually think that far. Like when they think of like medieval 
medieval times. They think about medieval times. They think about the Renaissance Fair, like fun, goofy shit like that. Mm. But sometimes I think it can be hard for them to think these are real people with real motivations that had real politics. Mm. Yeah, even thinking so about I, the I, Renaissance, I know it's just kind mm-hmm. of a bastardized, commoditized like version of of, of that thing where you can mm-hmm. buy a fried turkey. Like that's what like right. people think about. Yeah, so I think I think particularly for Americans, it's just because sometimes it, I it can be hard for us to grasp the idea that things happened before we existed. Like sometimes the idea that like my mother was a whole person before I was born is like baffling mm. to me. Yeah, it's a little um, creepy. And I think that's how we are like on a like on a national level is like, well, America started in 1620, so who cares what happened in 1619, you know? And you know, I think you know when a lot of people stop learning history in high school and all you've really learned is like Egypt invented irrigation, there were knights, and then some stuff about American history. <laughs> you don't really think to go back and like compare like compare these things yeah like i don't think by any means history is like a specialized like thing like i think everyone should be into you know ancient history i think everyone should at least like read like a couple of biographies about famous people yeah but i don't think a lot of people really want to put that legwork in especially since it's like a lot of reading (laughs) yeah yeah and like you know there's there's uh you know more i guess immediate value in in learning something tangible learning something that you can apply right there and then yeah that that like yield yield some sort of an immediate economic and reward and if you think about it and like oh i'm gonna spend the time to read like you know read that 900 page book about cleopatra and and you're gonna like it's that's just recreation at that point you're just doing it's either recreation or it's intellectual masturbation like it's one of those two things Mm -hmm. it's not really like helping my life is what they think and what the general sense is and 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 in a lot of scenarios that is true but there's some Mm -hmm. things you know when like there's like a shift in how like the world thinks which is like this year or the last five years has been that you know, not only in America, like the world is changing and and people have been thinking in different ways. There's like this whole like the nationalism like was kind of really dead that people are not thinking about the nation state so much and at the mm-hmm. turn of uh, the millennium. But that has been changing, you know, uh, difference to, to after 2010, maybe 2015, like a lot of European countries, India and even like, you know, a couple of Southeast Asian countries are trying to like, you know, elect people who are more quote-unquote nationalist, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. means to themselves. And you got to like kind of look back and you can look back to Hitler and that'll only give you so much, but you got to like look mm-hmm. further back and I think there's more answers to be uh, found there. Oh, yeah. I, I'm not as much of like um, a politico, so like, that is super interesting that you brought up that like around 2016, like everyone turned towards nationalism. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm trying to figure out what it was in the world that happened around 20, like 2015 to 2016 that everyone decided to elect like far right nationalists. And I, I can give you an answer. I don't even really have a theory. Do you? Uh, I, I mean, I have I have thought, uh, but yeah, I'd love to hear what you have to say. Oh man, I I don't know. I it's like the why behind that what isn't something that I really thought about a lot. Yeah. I was just mostly I was most I was too petrified about the fact that the entire world was turning towards nationalism to really think about why that was happening. Yeah. And I'm wondering if maybe it was just like cultural like being jaded culturally you know like when we all have like a global culture everyone watches the same movies everybody watches 
listen to the same music. I think that's not good because inherently we like, like as humans, we're social, we're social creatures, but we're also tribal. Mm -hmm. So we want to have something that our people are proud of. Like my family did this, my state did this, my Mm -hmm. country is the best in the world. So I'm wondering if maybe globalism is part of that reason. People were trying to resist the idea that we're, that we are all the same. And yeah. want to be like, no, but look at all the cool things my country has done. And then that's yeah. the perfect place for, like, some jackass totalitarian to come in and take over a country, you know? Yeah, there's definitely an an element of that for sure. Like, it just in general, like you said, so the world became more and more global. And then you you had the internet. You know, some, that, like, definitely revolutionized a lot of things. And it put everything mm-hmm. on, like, a fast track. And it put a nitrous boost on the whole process of globalization. Now you're trading with China. And now you're trading with, you know, uh, China's trading with uh, fucking Pakistan. And then, then India's, uh, you know, this new hub, which has mm-hmm. uh, half the jobs that, a call center jobs that the United States had. And then there's mm-hmm. Europe there who who's also, you know, interacting with these, these far-out countries. So I think just like globalism was put on a fast track due to technology. And some people are like, hold the phone. What the fuck is going on before we know Mm it? uh, And there's like a fallacious assumption. And it's fallacious according to me that that people think there's only finite opportunity. And if, you know, if Bob eats, then fucking, you know, if if fucking Ahmed eats, Bob has to starve. Like that kind of Mm -hmm. a a mentality. I don't like subscribe to that. I think there is uh, things resources can, can be reorganized in a way and they naturally will reorganize in a way over time where everybody will have plenty if you keep like you know uh, you know having equal opportunity encouraging innovation and all of that but again like the, that okay. sense of that there is finite opportunity uh, and there's globalism so uh, if people in china have jobs we are not going to have jobs and and mm-hmm that's kind of what led everybody to like look inwards and they're like you know hey fuck that guy we gotta look we gotta clean house drain the swamp build the wall be in here Mm -hmm. like that that kind that kind of a whole thing uh, you know is happening everywhere and that's happening Mm -hmm. in india in 2014 is where the 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 right wing party got selected uh elected uh, and and they're in their second term and from what I understand there's no term limits in India so it's going to be like very mm-hmm. interesting how it plays out they have like a majority in in uh, in the lower house they have a majority in the upper house they they pretty much have everything so I think in a year or so like if everything keeps going on they can just they can make amendments to the constitution like and there is no significant opposition like I think like mm-hmm. the the shift is way more drastic in India than it is here in the United States mm-hmm. I think the United States is a few year behind a few years behind and in, in that progression and it can change but that's kind of my my understanding it is like kind of jumping off from what you said what you said was right but there's a few more things the element of technology I think oh yeah absolutely and that's that's interesting. I I haven't really um, been seeing a lot about Indian politics. I'll I'll have to read into that. That sounds very interesting. That sounds very frightening, but it sounds very interesting. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I mean, me and my boyfriend were talking about this um, a few weeks ago. Is that like the one saving grace that we have in the hellscape of a administration is that checks and balances are still exist in America. There are still people that can say no to the president and and that's the reason why things haven't become as much of a dumpster fire as they have yeah the problem is when you fill those positions that should have veto power with sycophants then what happens yeah 
and yeah and then and the thing is so and that depends on like the zeitgeist what everybody's thinking and there's like i think there's like a healthy split i know everybody talks about oh we've never been so against each other and and both sides are so against each other they're at their throats i know but that is important because if there there's no like if there is no opposition which kind of is the direction my country is my home country is going in if there is no opposition let's imagine you know say if you know five like 90% of everybody in the con- in congress says republican and you know 90% of everybody in senate is republican just like if everybody is republican there's probably other checks and balances and probably it would go to the judicial branch and that they have to like be the be the stopper of any any like nonsense at that point and that's where india is at uh, is getting at pretty fast as you have to look at the supreme court now next to like you know make sure yeah. that they are the, like the final check and balance if you kind of circumvent that then there is no check and balance so like i said that is true but if say just 90% of americans started thinking and on on you know having mm-hmm. some sort of a right wing mentality which i don't i'm not saying inherently having some sort of a conservative thought as bad because i truly don't think that but if everybody thinks that then that's a problem yeah when there is not like i firmly believe that democracy lives and dies on dissension yeah. um the way that we grow as a, as a people is having someone say that's dumb <laughs> like <laughs> there's um there's like a theory that like the reason why so many famous people end up doing such heinous shit like mm. like raping babies and like all this like awful heinous shit is because they don't have as many people saying no to them as like the average person oh, like good. when you have that much money and power people want a piece of that money and power so if they see their like billionaire boss doing something shady they'll be like well i don't want yeah. to say anything because i'm getting a huge cut of that check mm-hmm. you know so when you don't have people saying no to you you do some awful shit and that's why like dissension and demo- and democracy oh, are so important because it's a whole system of people saying no to their leaders. Oh you know? man, the whole yes man thing, it, it, that is such a big problem and just like creating a culture, creating these people who are just used to hearing people say yes to them and they mm-hmm. take that and they go out into the world and they go out into their private lives and they want like all of that to translate into their private lives and if it doesn't then it's like you know something's wrong with the people around them not, not themselves and again like I don't want to keep bringing back India but that's that's where I've grown up and that's where I you know draw experiences from like the systems in India like it is democratic and it's just I think it's it's pretty good compared to some of the other countries like there's still mm-hmm. free and fair elections as much as there can be and all of that mm-hmm. people do have a choice to a certain extent but there's these bureaucracies there's like a lot of uh, mini bureaucracies within bureaucracies and that leads to a lot of these mini yes mini you know products of yes men who's just mm-hmm. walking the streets and and it's it's pretty horrible and i've definitely seen that firsthand go down Yeah, no, I mean, please keep on bringing up India. It's uh, <laughs> it's very interesting to me personally cuz I as, like as much as I love global history, I haven't been keeping up with um geopolitics as much as I should because it gets very depressing. It's impossible, dude. It's impossible. And like for for one's own sanity, like, you want to you want to turn off and and you know, like take yeah, a step back and like live your own life for a second because it's it it can like kill you mentally and it's not even oh, like the yeah. actual fact it's somebody's interpretation of the facts which is designed and weaponized to fuck with your brain absolutely i mean i've pretty much i i've been toying back and forth with the idea of deleting my facebook 
the only reason I haven't is because, like, I have some people that, like, only get in contact with me through Messenger mm. who I still want to hear from. But I just, it's hard. It's hard being on social media. I tried to get back on Twitter, and I just couldn't. I, like, <laughs> felt myself getting, like, more physically depressed every time I was on. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I'm what are you going to do? That's... Yeah, that those are the mechanisms and channels of communication of the modern yeah. world. That's what's there. That's where it's going down. Like if you want to be in the thick of things, that's that's the then that's the battleground. You got to be there, but it's not yeah, a fun battleground. Yeah, and especially if you have even like a modicum of like artistic interest. Like if you want to be in the arts, like as a professional at all, you have to have a social media mm-hmm. presence. Oh yeah, yeah, that's and it's right. the goddamn worst. <laughs> Yeah, and like one thing I did uh, this week, and again I've done this previously, but I I bring it back on. I delete the apps on my phone, and if mm. I need to go to it, I need to log into my laptop and go on. Uh, yeah, so that helps, but, uh, you know, behaviorally, like you know, habitually helps a little bit. But still, you know, I'm on my laptop all day, you know, at work, and mm. like before you know it, subconsciously I'm clicking on it, and before you know it, I'm like sc- scrolling through Facebook instead of my fingers. I'm using my mouse. Yeah, that's the only difference. It's- yeah, I have a um, I have a work computer, so I can't. Well, I mm. could, but I don't. Like, I don't log into anything besides the work programs on my work computer. Yeah, yeah. So when I um, when I'm at work, um, on the very little downtime that I have, I I've been reading. Um, I've been reading like books, like novels, mm. history, like physical books, cool, well, like cool. ebooks, but like book books. Yeah. Um, and it's been very nice. <laughs> um, like I, I'm reading like this historical romance right now about this like Norman queen during the Viking era. That's really cool. Uh... I got through a couple of like biographies, and it's it's cool to just like read something that isn't just doom and gloom. Like oh, yeah. I have limited myself to just reading like two articles a day if I if if I need these. But for most of most of my time right now is spent just like reading, which which is always how I spend most of my time. But it's I I really have just had to limit my social media consumption. I pretty much am only on Instagram because I follow a shit ton of knitting accounts, and knitting is my other passion. Knitting. Um, Oh wow. Knitting, yeah. What do you knit? Like hats and gloves and and shit like that. Yeah, like mostly scarves. Um, Right now, I am working on um, making a sidecar like a stuffed like Vespa for, for <laughs> one of my friends who's having a baby. Um, and it's a lot. <laughs> so like a Vespa with a sidecar, like that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's coming out pretty cute. Um, it doesn't look like the picture because I used the wrong needle at first and that, that just fucks everything up. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I guess, man. Like, I mean, that that is like a cool thing, and I'm I'm sure it's like soothing because you're like in the present. Like, your mind it's it's hard for your mind to want uh, wander. I would think uh, when you're just doing that, and it's an intricate thing, so you have to be like right in the moment as as you do that. So so it's, it's probably very therapeutic because your mind's not wandering all over the place thinking about future, past, this, that, what happened, what's going on, and and uh, Wisconsin, what's going on, and Syria, what's going on, and China. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you, your mind's not like wandering, and you're like really focused in that. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's both that and like a like I'm focused on the task at hand especially if I'm following a really complicated pattern I'm just like okay I gotta get this stitch I gotta get these number of stitches and it's very nice and I'm doing something tactical with my hands like something I where I can see the results which a lot of like 
a lot of modern drab gear just like one piece in the cog so you don't actually get to see the results at the end mm-hmm. um but also like sometimes i'm just like making a scarf and i'm just like i'm just doing it with my hands because i'm at the point where i can just like kind of do it and not look at it so like i'm catching up on tv or like i'm listening to a podcast or like things like that so i'm mm-hmm. like i can do something like tactical as well as like kind of like let my mind wander in like oh, a meditative yeah. way you know 100%. like i'm not like worried yeah like i'm not worrying about things but i am just kind of like being meditative so yeah, yeah it's 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 a very it's it's a very good hobby it's it's one that i think knitting is like making a comeback like because of all of those like phys- like psychological benefits <laughs> Oh man, cool. Um, yeah. that, that's that's awesome to hear. And and I just kind of try to like circle back, loop back a little bit. And we were talking about, uh, no, the discipline of history, and and we we're mm. talking about how um, people don't value like you know trying to analyze history and you know events further back in history as they're relevant to the current times. And that kind of flows into the point of people who study history. Right, professionally, you know, mm-hmm. go to school, study history, you know, that probably do research and all of that. In history, even things like history, philosophy, anthropology, a lot of these humanities, if I can bundle them into that uh, that category, don't have a lot of financial or economic, like, you know, bargaining value in the market. Like, they mm-hmm. really, like, people don't really care about people, uh, you know, who've learned history, which I would think, like, mm-hmm. there would be value somewhere there. You know, maybe the White House would have like a bunch of historians working for them and maybe they do, but it's not like that common a thing. You don't think, uh, yeah, this guy is the head of the CDC, he's a doctor, and then this guy's the head of the Center for Historical Analysis, uh, no, mm-hmm. CHA, like, and they don't really have economic value. And it's the sim- it's a similar point, but do you, do you think there should be economic value to the these things or do you think like you know, it kind of reached uh, some sort of an equilibrium for a good reason? Oh, absolutely. I mean, A, you know, everyone deserves to, you know, have a living wage doing what they love. And B, I mean, like, we we need humanities, we need the arts, you know, like, every, like, every piece of writing that you have ever read in your life, whether it's like a billboard, or a, um, like, an advertisement or the back of a cereal box, somebody wrote that, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, every, like, every like book you've ever seen somebody has designed that every newspaper somebody designed that and like especially with like history um like obviously there were people who were just like you know intellectually jacking themselves off and like problematizing everything and 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 those jackasses are just kind of like rich kids wasting <laughs> it's fun like i'm not gonna but, lie though it's, yeah. it's fun at times like it's fun i like doing it um but you know there are people like that in science you know like oh, math yeah. you know like um like there's like wall street guys who are like basically like philosophers of stocks like they're (laughs) like their job is equally as useless and they make you know tons of money but i like understanding like the history of like those like the soft sciences like social sciences they are the study of humanity you know there's a reason why they're called the humanities Mm. um and i think part of the reason why our world is so kind of off kilter is we've kind of stopped seeing ourselves and each other as human beings we're seeing each other as like 
Americans or Texans or you know, mortgage brokers or IT people. Like we see each other as our titles, but we aren't really trying to really get to know a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's how it was, you know, back in the day, you know, where someone would kill you if you were, you know, supporting the wrong king. But I do think that as a society, like we do kind of need to make an effort to get to know each other. And the best way to do that is to get to know people's histories, you know, and you can do that on a macro scale, like getting to know the history of India, for example, you know, that makes you a lot more sympathetic to an Indian person and figuring out like, like even like what happened in the Indus Valley 5,000 years ago, when you extrapolate that, that explains why there's, that explains what's going on in India right now. Yeah. Certain elements of it at least. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you look at what happened in England in the 1400s, then you see why a bunch of English people came to America in 1620. And then that explains the whole chunk of global history. Like all of these, like when you think of what happened 5,000 years ago, it sounds like it feels like it's too long ago to even, to even matter. Mm. But if you like look at it, if you really look at it from like, well, why is, why is this person like this? Well, it's because their father was like this, because his father was like this. And you just keep going back and back and back. You, you start to see, like, yeah. oh, all of these things do matter. And, like, the things that I'm doing today are going to matter to people a thousand years from now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 is, that is surely true. And, and, and that's what, you know, the two points of you do need to look back into history. And, like, one venture or one stream of, you know, uh, looking into something may not answer everything, but it'll answer something. And mm-hmm. and it is important, and that's why I think that like the you know, people who are studying history uh, should should you know should be contributing more to overall like conversations, and and mm-hmm. and everybody on an individual scale should also study history. You made a point about living wage, and that's uh, that's a little bit of a separate point of you know people should be able to make a living wage doing what they mm-hmm. love. There's a lot of qualifiers there, so there may that may be problematic on its own, like that statement. But I was speaking yeah, more I, to like elites, like uh, like people who are um, top of their field type of historians. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they like the top hundred historians in America right now, mm-hmm. trying to help us through whatever situation and a lot of different things? Is that happening? Maybe it's happening. Maybe I am like ignorant to the fact that it's happening, but I don't see it. Like you know, like I said, there's the CDC, but I don't see like the the CHA. I That's mean, what I'm speaking to more of. It's happening, but it's happening more on like the art side. Like historians are now a little bit more like actors or like rock stars. Like if like there's there's a few historians who are very famous for like their TV documentaries. Um, but I don't know how much like political or yeah. like, like social like they're like there are memes about them but like i don't think they're like going and talking to like parliament or congress or anything um but i think kind of i mean historians have always kind of gotten the short end of the stick and the other people in the uh, humanities like in the ancient times like it was warriors who you know who were doing everything (laughs) you know like we're going off and we're going to fight the french we're going to kill all the frenchmen and, like, you could physically see all of the dead Frenchmen, and you're like, oh, this guy's great. But, like, with a historian, like, it's a, like, it's a little less tactile, you know? Mm. Like, you like you obviously see all the books that they write, but, you know, you're like, oh, this historian has been reading the same scroll for eight hours. What? Why? What is he doing? Mm. Like, it's, 
it's a little bit harder yeah to see the fruits of the labor yeah. of a historian yeah it's and a lot of steps removed yeah and especially if you're just like reading like a 300 page book you're like oh well why did this person have to make this much but you're not saying like the hundreds of thousands of hours of research talking to experts flying everywhere seeing um seeing you know original documents in you know english dungeons you know it's 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 the same reason why people are like why do actors make so much why do acting is not a real job but like <laughs> actors are spending like 12 hours a, um, a day on set and and all of this stuff yeah so no yeah that that That's is definitely no 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 that's definitely an apt uh, an apt analysis so uh and again i don't mean want to seem like okay hey we got to fucking bring all the historians and they'll be the king like i i maybe it seemed a little bit like that because i was like emphasizing on that but i was just saying like it has to be better than what it is right now like because right oh, now there's yeah. nothing that that's all i was like kind of pointing out and all like i think economic and financial uh, uh outcomes are you know directly tied to immediate value uh, that that okay. that individual provides and whatever system they are in like an actor they are providing like like immediate value immediate dollar dollars and cents for okay. people who are you know uh, putting their uh, capital up front to to you know fund a certain project and that goes for different people you spoke of the wall street guys and they're like philosoph- you know, philosophizing a uh, few things and looking at a lot of macro trends some of them may not be based in complete science and there's like a gut okay. thing there's a lot of gut guys in the hedge fund space but as long as they are like providing that immediate economic value at the in the market's value them and they say like okay this guy's worth you know uh, 600000 uh, a year the other guy's worth only $60000 a year because you know there's oh. there's no real direct value there so that's i guess where kind of it, it it ties off yeah that's that's interesting and and it kind of kind of also ties back to like um my warrior example because like why do people go to war they want more stuff so like your warriors go out and they you know they come back with all these gold plates and like all of these slaves and like now we now we own pakistan like that's way more interesting than ah george wrote another book (laughs) (laughs) you know like it's also about like interest like people need to be interested in it and like it might like it's super interesting to me learning the history itself but for most people they don't give yeah. a shit you know yeah for sure and yeah for you it's again a recreational exercise because you like it you like really mm-hmm. like you know find entertainment and enjoyment out of reading these things and that's you know, that's where you come from on that yeah no like it is it is very like it's, it's my hobby you know <laughs> like mm-hmm, yeah. people like i feel like people especially like because like i i'm reading all the time people want to find some like some bigger out of it like why do you do it there has to be something like what's your plan what are you gonna do and i'm like i don't know i just kind of have fun like learning about these stories like i do think it's important in the long run i think it's something that's like necessary for people to know but it is uh, in the long run my hobby it's something that i i have fun with yeah and i think that's something that's kind of missing again in this capitalist society sometimes you can just do a thing because it's fun (laughs) Like, yeah. I'm like now that I have a full time job, I'm doing my best to not monetize any of my hobbies anymore mm-hmm. because I was at a point where I was and anything that I did, I was like, how can I make money off of this? How can I make money off of this? And I was so burnt out because I didn't have any downtime. Every single thing that I liked, I was turning into a business. 
and it's so exhausted. Yeah. And now I'm just like, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read. I'm not going to make a podcast. I'm not going to make a YouTube video. I am simply going Shots to do this. Shots fired. Podcast. Jesus Christ. Come on now. You didn't even flinch. No, you're like, podcast. you just stabbed me in the heart. Like, et tu brute. This yeah, what are you doing if not monetizing conversations uh, with your friends? <laughs> I'm going to send you screenshots where it says, you know, it, the, I have not monetized this thing because I don't think I'm going to make a single cent out of it, even if I did monetize it. So I'm kind of preemptively <laughs> doing the classy thing because I know what's going to happen. So do it. Okay. Very good. Yeah, uh, no, my that, boyfriend's that... very excited to listen to this, but... Oh yeah, that's that's awesome. We got one listener. Let's keep keep it going. That, that's what I'm dealing. With. I'm dealing with like single individual human beings at this point. Uh, so your point of like you know just like a capitalist system does not reward you to do you know what you like to do, and mm-hmm. there is truth to that. Obviously, that is like a you know, factually true statement. But what it allows you to do is you can uh, do things where you can buy mm-hmm. back your time almost. Like you got to do a set of things where where you accumulate so much capital that then, then you can afford the time. So time is one of the, the commodities or resources that you're using uh, to, to exchange for money. And like, you know, money will buy you more time as, as you have more of it. So that's the kind of, I get that's the game you have to play. Um, for overall prosperity, I think that system is, is good on an individual level for, you know, if you like, it's just not always the healthiest people can go a little crazy because the the base mm-hmm. assumption is that something external is going to fulfill you. You know, you're going to make money yeah. and buy something and the external is going to fulfill you. That's like at the core. That's the, that's one face of the capitalist coin of, of consumerism and you have to buy something to make yourself happy. That is the core uh, fallacy on an individual level. But on a system level, I think it works out better uh than a lot of the other things but obviously what happens in the world is far from just how oh, people just exchanging goods and like you know everybody's having everybody's happy and you know it's all laissez-faire that's not really happening there's backdoor mm-hmm. deals there's you know people who are like calling the shots you know and there's people who are sending hookers to people's houses and uh, to, to politicians <laughs> houses and that's how things are getting passed right Mm-hmm. You know, Donald Trump really likes 19-year-old blondes, you know, you know what oh, you got to do. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> what's going to happen. It's not the prettiest thing. It's fucking horrible. But that's not like specifically just this, you know, system of people exchanging value. It's, it's kind of, yeah. that's what they call the, the what, what they call it, late stage capitalism, which is, yeah. which is the problem. Yeah, I mean, there, I, there are a lot of problems in heroin capitalism. I understand that. But I feel like a lot of people are taking things that are inherently wrong with just like humanity and corrupt corrupt governments and being like, this is capitalism's fault. If we get rid of capitalism, all of this will be done. And I'm like, okay, like 20% of this will be gone, but people yeah. are still people. Yeah. <laughs> like the go. worst thing that has ever happened to any governmental system is that you put human beings in charge. <laughs> because yeah. we are horny and we are hungry. And, and that's all we know, right? Main. Yeah, that's like, totally a hard I, way to do. Yeah, like, can I eat this? Can I fuck this? Like, that's those are the two main questions that we ask about everything. Absolutely, know? yeah. And those two questions are answered or manifested in all these different ways, and that's how mm-hmm. that's how you fucking end up in this complex world that nobody, no single individual, can really make sense of the whole world. 
you know it's mm. like this like mysterious thing that just that's just happening you know we are like podcasting right now from you know from different locations and we're just using uh, using this thing like everything we're using i don't think any single individual would be able to kind of trace and figure and explain to you how all of this is happening but it's just happening it's like this mysterious thing that is going on but the, the it is coming from those like baseline motivations of you know horny and and hungry and those have kind of cascaded and like manifested itself into into a lot of different things so it's it's an interesting mm-hmm. thing to look at from afar but a uh, lot of flaws and yeah. and everything i mean like fucking there's different types of economic system that that have existed feudalism that is mm-hmm. just fucking outright they were not even pretending they're like fuck you give me your money eat dirt yeah. motherfucker like those those guys <laughs> right. are not even pretending you know well, like yeah. you live here now and you're going to give me all your food yeah, yeah. and and you're going to see your child die in front of your eyes like like it's just horrible stuff and that was going on um yeah, so i don't know where <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't know where things are going to go there's all this like talk of ais and i don't know what they're going to do and you're saying like you know ai is not hungry or horny ai is going to be like a fucking moral yeah. actor like so the lord knows what's going to happen with that so that'll be interesting how that fucking plays out yeah, if I think too hard about AIs or like sentient robots, I can't sleep for about a week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Sentient robots, and and like, see what happens is you say sentient robots, and like people start thinking of Terminator, and like it just becomes like a joke almost. But mm-hmm. what they say is right. Robots control a lot of what happens in the world right now. Even mm-hmm. you know. They control what you buy. You may think you want it, but like you know, somebody like you know, brain fucked you into like something. This this AI has brain fucked you into thinking you want it, and that's why you're buying it. So it's already influencing your decisions and how you're leading. Oh yeah, your life. I mean, even now, like you know, algorithms are controlling like how we have sex and who we have sex with. Like oh, yeah. I met my boyfriend on a dating app, and like the only reason like I've met the love of my life is because like we both downloaded the same app around the same time and the algorithm was like well you have enough similar interests that you'll probably go on a date <laughs> you know yeah like it's, it's wild you know exactly yeah yeah exactly and uh, that's you know you're talking about relationships and those apps and like you're, you're talking about uh, wall street and all of that for a second a lot of what happens activity on wall street you're talking about these obscure guys who are like doing analysis and all of that a lot of that is being replaced at a very rapid rate and it's just algorithms that are running and mm-hmm. that they're the ones who are calling shots and no single person like really understands what is going on like and i don't mm-hmm. know when it's going to get out of hand but it's coming soon but it will be far you know far far gone yeah, I, by then yeah hopefully that's something like my great great grand kids have to deal with no problem yeah. be shit so yeah yeah, man, cool. So that's that's the future. Now going back to the past and and history and all <laughs> of that. Uh, so you do have like an an acute, active interest in Roman history, and like I really like, frankly speaking, I don't really know much about about Roman history. Just like the, the little trinkets here and there. But mm-hmm. how long was the entire Roman Empire? Because what I know is, you know, there's this. Before Christ BC, you know, hundred BC, whatever you you had, like I guess the start of the Roman Empire. But I was watching this show on Netflix, and that's where I'm fucking getting my history from. Where the Ottomans <laughs> are fighting, you know, uh, you know, uh, Constantine, Emperor Constantine, and uh, and I don't know, mm-hmm. they remember the the guy, fucking Ottoman guy, and they're having this there's this battle, and they're trying to take Constantine, right? This is the fall of Constantinople, and that's mm-hmm. that's a really good show if you like want to check it out. I think 
uh, I don't know what it's called, but I think it's just Ottoman versus Romans. You should find it. Oh yeah, that's the one with um, Mehmed, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. King King uh, Mehmed the second. Mm-hmm. So so that was super interesting, and I'm like, is this guy also Roman? But this is fucking fourteen whatever fourteen ninety two, and the Romans were back in the fucking BCs. Like, what happened? Were they around for fifteen hundred years? What is going on? So, like, can you, like, give me, like, an overarching, like, what what is the timeline of these things? Obviously, we're not going to try and do a Dan Carlin, like, 25 hours, like, <laughs> breakdown yeah. of Roman history, right? Uh-huh. Like, but this is more from just, like, trying to understand, like, more overall, like, people can take this and find some interest and use this as a jumping off point. So, the answer is yes, the Ottomans are Romans, and no, the Ottomans are not Roman. Now, oh, no, sorry. Let me rephrase my question. Sorry, uh, Dr. Yeah. I'll try to rephrase. When I, uh, so I, what I was asking is the guy like Mehmed was fighting was Constantine, right? Uh-huh. So, so I'm asking was Constantine is was Constantine an emperor? Was was he a Caesar? Was he an emperor in the Roman Empire? Because that was in the 15th century and like Romans were around since 100 BC. That's like I'm talking about Constantine. Yeah. Yeah, the answer is yes, he was a Roman, and no, he wasn't a Roman. Okay. Now, is that complicated? It's because it is. So, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. The traditional... It's, it's not that complicated. Um, hmm. So the traditional start of the Roman Empire was, like, 17... Or the traditional start of the Roman Republic was, like, 700-something BC. Hmm. Um, so, so the traditional founders of Rome were these two cats, Romulus and Remus, who were suckled by a she-wolf, and then they grew up and they built a city. And then there were a few kings of Rome, and then one of the kings fucked up so bad that they that um, Rome decided we're never having a king again. Fuck these guys. Mm. Um, so that was around like the 700 BCs. And from there, that there was the Roman Empire, or not? There was the Roman Republic, mm. which is where um, America actually bases a lot of their. Um, um, judicial, like like legislative ideas, off of is the Roman Republic. Right. So basically, um, there were like basically there were two guys in charge who were consuls, and there was a bunch of other like political shit that I don't that I'm not going to get into. So from like 700 BC to about 100 BC, um, Roman the Roman Republic is going strong. Right. Um, around 100 BC with um, the Gracchi brothers. And Dan Carlin goes into has a great series um, about the fall of the Roman Republic. You all should check that out, uh, Destroyers of the Republic. Um, but around like the Gracchi brothers, that's when um, the Roman Republic starts to fracture, and like more power men are like starting to like get control and get a little bit more savvy, and it's starting to go towards an empire. Um, so Julius Caesar um, is the guy who kind of puts sets in motion the idea of empire he was not Mm. an emperor he was the last consul um the first emperor augustus um the traditional end of the roman republic is 30 bc after the fall of egypt um so that's after cleopatra and mark antony um Mm. are defeated at the battle of axiom by augustus and then augustus is the first emperor but because rome said fuck kings like 700 years ago he wasn't really the emperor he was the first citizen. He was the first among equals. So he no. like he was empowered. He, was like he did a lot of things. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so he like he was empowered. He did a lot of things, but he definitely wasn't a king. No, no, no. Mm. This definitely is a monarchy. But I'm just 
choose the next guy who's gonna be in charge of everyone. But like, oh, people, like that's how it gets slippery. Emperor or anything, exactly. Mm. So, um, so the first Roman dynasty was the Julio Claudians. Um, so that was from Augustus to Nero. So mm. from about three BC to about seventy AD. 70 okay and one just quick thing okay before we uh, go further so when did the transition happen from the the roman republic and you did say the fall of the republic you know whatever that podcast mm-hmm. is with dan carlin that like breaks it down but like was there like a single like major driving factor that that caused that transition um if i had to say a single like con- like a concise, factor. I guess that's a very uh, uh, uncharitable question to ask about this such yeah. a big event. Give me one word, but you know whatever you can surmise like briefly. I would say ambition. I think just too many people thought that they were smarter than everyone else and they wanted to be the head guy in charge. That mm. eventually there did have to be a head guy in charge, or else it was going mm. to be constant civil wars. Because yeah, the so, like the fall of the Roman Republic is categorized by just insane civil wars and civil unrest. Oh, wow. So I think so many people wanted to be on top that somebody did just have to be on top and then choose the next person to be on top so that there could be peace. You know, interesting. It's, it's, it's the same thing. People are like, I mean, we've been doing this for a good seven hundred years. Kind of feels boring, you know. It's my like you know mm-hmm. great 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 grandfather that fucking came up with this and mm-hmm. and that's ancient history for them already right you know yeah, think exactly. about like you know seven hundred years ago from now so like the ti- the timeline and the scale of the timeline kind of is lost on, on us when we look at it you know from the outside but to put it in mm-hmm. perspective like people what people were doing thirteen hundred like they they don't know any fucking better yeah so right we're gonna like- do it better. Like, we're not going to do it like what they did in the feudalism times. They had yeah. a plague. We'll never have a plague. <laughs> yeah, but we do uh, have vaccines which don't work and give you autism. Shout out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so, so, okay, and I do have, have something else also there. Uh, and yeah. I know we want to keep this at least a little uh, linear on, on this part for, for my own understanding, for my uh, reptilian brain uh, to understand it. So, okay, so there's that transition, you know, whatever those motivations were. And I've heard a guy talk about this and I try to like listen to all these like obscure like guys on far left, far right, just like just for, just do a little sampling platter to see what is going on and what different people are thinking. And I get in, I, I look at a lot of ridiculous shit in that process. But so a super right wing guy, he was like doing this breakdown of, I think, he, I'm, I'm sure he was talking about the fall of the Roman Republic. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to draw these all kinds of parallels to what is going on, say, in America or Europe right now. Talking oh, about the Stefan this... Molyneux? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Stefan oh, Molyneux, yeah. yeah, that motherfucker. Yeah, he, <laughs> he kept on saying that the follow... So, basically... Oh, God, I haven't even watched the full fucking video in, like, three years. But I believe yeah, no, just for argument... the... Yeah, just for the sake yeah. of the audience, if you could kind of lay out what their argument is, kind of steel man that and then you know then you can break it down or or yeah. negate it all you want so i believe that his main point is that the roman empire fell um so the roman empire fell um in 476 ad the west empire fell the eastern european the eastern roman empire is what we refer to as the ottoman empire but mm. they would have referred to themselves as roman so his argument is that the Western Roman Empire fell because of decadence 
um, because all of the men were too feminine and they were too weak and limp-wristed and women were having, you know, women were able to divorce their husbands and we were letting yeah. outsiders in. That like is not moral the moral fabric of the society. Like, you know, that, so the, the argument, I guess, being that, you know, the, the one point of, oh, the men are all effeminate and, you know, so there's no, there's no uh, strong male presence overall in society and then then there's just promiscuity and like just the the traditional i guess quote unquote the moral fabric of society has just really uh, been withered and then this Mm -hmm. mass immigration like he he made it a point that immigration Mm -hmm. came in there just and so kind of almost it almost seemed like too convenient too uh, you know too convenient like he's talking about like actual modern day things what you know so some true some not true but like more thing more things like uh immigration and economy and debt uh and he's just trying to bring all those together and say that's what happened then and that's why it's yeah. going to happen here and obviously like i'm not a historian or anything but we were talking about using history to see what is going on right now and you can do it right do it wrong uh, i'm not going to mm-hmm. comment on his thing was right or wrong because i don't know frankly mm-hmm. um but th- that's his whole thing he's they definitely made a made a point about immigration also in that immigration is a strong word for what happened in the, in the late <laughs> western western empire what happened um, who was showing up like it, it, rome was showing up is the problem oh okay so, <laughs> so, <the other> way <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't immigration it was that rome had conquered the entire world except for like india so they like were in charge of everybody, right? Right. But Rome itself is just a city, and it started as a city state, and mm. now they were trying to use city state rules and legislation to govern the entire world, and that's not how shit works. Yeah. Um, especially in like um like the what's now like Europe, like the Gallic tribes. Um, and the Britons, like what's now the British Isles, there was a lot of like tempestuous shit going on. Um, so basically, like to kind of sum it up, it wasn't that like immigrants were showing up and stealing all of our resources and stealing our yeah. jobs. Like it a welfare the, Roman state. Like that was yeah. the impression he was fucking trying to put it was out. That, <laughs> yeah, that it what basically was, it was the Romans showed up and like what is now France and we're like, this place seems cool. We're going to put some roots down here. And then the French people are like, no, we live here. And the Romans like, well, we're going to kill the shit out of you. Mm. And then 500 years later, the French are like, well, we've been under the Roman empire for like 500 years now. Are we citizens yet? And they're like, no, fuck you. Mm. And the French are like, okay, well we're starving. And the Romans are like, fuck you. And meanwhile, like there have been like, quote unquote barbarian in the Roman army for like hundreds of years now. Like they've married Roman women. Like they are pretty much indistinguishable from Romans. But yeah, you're talking five hundred years national- again. Yeah, like with the um the Rome Romans with their nationalism were like, no, 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 only these certain people can be Roman. And then these people who have Roman habits and Roman fighting abilities most importantly are like well, we're just going to take over your goddamn city. Like, if you're not going to give us what we want, we are going to take it from you. Hmm. And Rome, being the leaders of the world, weren't prepared for opposition. Like, their troops were mostly just, like, there as, like, guard dogs. Hmm. But they had not had a real fucking, like, Uh. war in a while. 
Okay. So these fucking, these barbarians were here. They were ready to fight. They were trained because they were in the fucking army. Mm. And the emperor cowering in his palace and just like decades of just like degradation and constant infighting had made the government so weak anyways mm. that like the Roman emperor is just like, oh shit. Like there was a point where like they changed Roman emperors like five times in one year because they kept on getting fucking killed. Oh, <laughs> you wow. know? It's like so, fucking Somalia. Like, it's almost like that. Yeah, unstable. pretty much. It's Somalia in Togo's is what, like, the fourth century was. Interesting. So, okay, so this, but this is the Western Roman Empire. This is not the Republic, so I was mistaken there. So this is the fall of mm-hmm. the empire itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, so, okay, if it, so that definitely clears it up. Now, now we can, you know, zoom back. I guess so the fall of the Roman Republic and then you have mm-hmm. all these and an emperor started out like like most things do with it. Oh, we're going to do it right and we need a leader. Then the leader's like selecting his favorite guy. And then before you know it, you have all these different emperors and now it's an empire. Uh, but the, 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 the Republic, so to say, whatever the Senate and all of that was still functional even under mm-hmm. uh, the emperor. Kind of. Um, During the Julio-Claudians, the Senate still had some power. Um, The later Republic, like, I think they still, like, tried to have the vestige of senators. Like, people were senators, but, like, they don't really do shit. Um, Oh, so like like Ted Cruz. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) It was just a Ted Cruz Cruz in a toga. Um, (laughs) The aristocracy moved around a lot. Um, So, like, there was a point where... Roman aristocracy and like bureaucracy is so weird and complicated like during like the second century um I think this was like during the crisis of the second century where there was a point where everything was so bad in Rome it also almost fell it just didn't that time um but there was at a point four emperors at a time so there were like two co-emperors who were called Caesars and then there were two co-vice emperors who were called Augusti so there wow. were four dudes who technically like ruled Rome, but they were all like emperors. But then like one guy became emperor again. Like this is part of the reason why Rome fell. It's just because the bureaucracy was just so goddamn complicated. Right, <laughs> you right, know? right. And and like obviously it's all so complicated, and they didn't have the 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 infrastructure or the wherewithal in terms of just processing that information and and keeping mm-hmm. some sort of an order because you could have a complex system, and I guess we do have a complex system even right now in the world, but we. Have a way to communicate and process information which they probably did not have and that can take a toll on on, on the whole you know on the whole establishment if all yeah, your energy I mean, is kind of trying to going into like just maintaining what the fuck should be happening Rome Rome did have for the time of fairly sophisticated um road system which made communication a little bit easier hmm. but I mean again it's still just so like relative to the time running yeah relative to the time but yeah. it's still just like dudes on horses running back and forth um yeah. i if i had to hazard a guess because it's really like the fall of like the republic and the early um empire that's like my main focus mm-hmm. i've only just been like delving into the later empire just because it gets so complicated so yeah so so one like the the, the empire one like kind of the republic fell and then there's empire one that fell and mm-hmm. then like 
then like basically a brand new empire started for all intents and purposes it could be called the baba bui empire but it's like it's completely different but it's mm-hmm. just the descendants of the same people so the the pseudonym almost uh, is is the or the misnomer is that they're romans or did they identify yeah. as romans so so part of the part of the reason why the western empire is the one that fell because at one point the empire got so big that they had to split it in half so there's the western empire which still had rome and there's the eastern empire that continued on to be constantinople Mm. and i think the main reason why the western empire fell is because the eastern empire was the one with all the fucking money so they Mm. split it like right in half and like it was the half with like egypt and like Syria and all of these fucking like financial powerhouses that was the Eastern Empire and then the Western Empire was like oh shit we still have all this money but they weren't doing anything to really like facilitate the politics of the Eastern Empire so there came a point where like they had pretty much been operating as two separate entities for so long that when the Western Empire was like hey Constantinople or was it Constantinople at that time I think so hey Constantinople um, we have uh, barbarians at our gates please help us and the eastern empire was like what sorry can't hear you we're too busy having a functioning government yeah <laughs> going know. through a tunnel hey can't hear you what is that bar uh-huh. bar bar what, what sorry bar. you're breaking yeah. up yeah exactly yeah yeah so that's okay. um so what we now know as the byzantine empire started out as the uh, eastern roman empire okay so if you ask somebody who lived in like eighth century constantinople what are you they would say i'm a roman Hmm. it was functionally still the same empire it's only now because there was such a division Hmm. like europe like the western empire completely disappeared europe did its own thing and then the eastern empire was still kind of going the way it is it's only through our modernized that they're now two different empires Hmm. and that the fall of the roman empire is only encapsulated by the fall of the western empire Hmm. interesting okay so I, I think I kind of get it now because this is, I definitely did not have any any clue on like how all these moving pieces worked. So it's the Eastern Roman Empire, aka Byzantine Empire, is the guy Constantine, the last guy who who fought uh, Mehmed yeah. at the fall of uh, Constantinople. Okay, cool, makes sense. Yeah. And when did uh, when did like the Western Empire kind of uh, had its uh, downfall? Um, the traditional end of the Western Empire was four seventy six. AD? I believe that yeah AD I believe that was the year that the last Roman Empire officially abdicated interesting okay so yeah that that definitely makes sense and and obviously Caesar uh, Julius Caesar was was before that it was uh, mm-hmm. Western Western uh, Empire and why is Julius Caesar like so so venerated and like he's anybody like you you talk to pretty much anybody in the world almost right like you know who mm-hmm. ha- who's, has the most basics of education they probably don't know anything and they this like a manual laborer who works in myanmar you know like you know, i'm not trying mm-hmm. to pick on the person but like it, it, their life is way more basic and it's a day-to-day existence but they would know julius caesar that's so why is he so so romanticized or venerated is it just Shakespeare or is there something else going on there? It's a big part Shakespeare. Um, well, it's like, I think it's like half Shakespeare, half the dude was just really fucking cool. Um, mm. So definitely the Shakespeare play. Um, I think a lot of modern Western people know about Julius Caesar through that. Like A2 Brute, stuff like that. Um, so that's one part. 
he was immortalized in theater. And the other part is he was just really fucking cool. And he really kind of did encapsulate that kind of midpoint between the Republic and the Empire. Mm. Um, he, um, he had a liaison with Cleopatra, who is incredibly famous in her own right. Mm. Um, he, um, he had a huge um, library of um, war memoirs that he wrote. Um, so when the classics started um, like reappearing, like during the Renaissance, a lot of um, young men studied Caesar's war mm. diaries. Um, he was incredibly influential. He was a populist. Um, he really made a point in um, making sure that the Roman people were on his side. Um, and there was the fact that he almost became a king. The, the Romans were incredibly afraid, especially after he hooked up with Cleopatra, who was like the queen of the richest country on earth. They were like, oh no, this guy's going to try and fucking become king of Rome and we're not having that. And there's just this incredibly dramatic assassination <laughs> that he went through. Um, I think he's really like, there are two schools of history. Like there's the great man theory where um, like a certain like great men like Alexander the Great or Julius Caesar or George Washington, um, there was something so special about them that they changed history. Mm. And then there's the um, just like trends portion of history where it's just like, well, these certain things were happening. There was an ice age, there was a famine, so of course this was going to happen. This guy just happened yeah. to be the one. And I think it's both of those. Yeah, um, I, I think he just had such a huge cult of personality that like he demanded to be remembered. You know. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah, that that definitely makes sense. And I lean towards, you know, just you know, hearing what you're saying and, and kind of putting the dichotomy of those two, like, schools of thought. Mm-hmm. I would, like, intellectually just on a first thought lean more towards the second because mm-hmm. external factors just play such a big role. And, you know, the the, the, the first one is more a more romantic, you know, narrative and there's this, this mm-hmm. human essence that was within him that made him so incredible but uh, you know what's the human essence but uh, some sort of a, a culmination of everything that's going around uh, in the world when you were there in that position at that time so i definitely exactly. like kind of air towards the second one um, but you know it's just uh, probably yeah. a, a mix but more more heavy on on the second factor of just the factors yeah. of the world i believe that the trends and factors are what propels great men to be able to do the things that they do yeah. and, and great man is like quote unquote great man like they yeah great human yes. great human um, like i i would like to see when they say great man or great great man uh, they're using it as a short for human mm-hmm. yeah um but also like great as in like bigger than life not like good person because like uh. is technically a great man of history <laughs> you know um, but I think there, I think that there are times like there's lightning in a bottle, like the right set of circumstances yeah. create, give the right person with the right personality, the chance to do incredible things. Hmm. And that can be incredibly bad or incredibly good. Yeah. Like, is this the cosmic the the, hand uh, that, that, uh, yeah. uh, that is dealt at that point in time. And then, mm-hmm. you know, then things follow and things happen and Hey, you have Julius Caesar, and then he was he was stabbed what twenty seven times is that is that an exaggeration is that a Shakespearean ex- a Shakespearean exaggeration no, or was, that actually happened I think it was like thirty three times 
he did um he was there were like 15 dudes who were like involved in this murder plot and they were all like okay we all have to stab him at least once yeah. who, who <laughs> killed him complicit. like cops in wisconsin who killed him 33 times really dude jesus right it was <laughs> really bitter roman senators just like a seat just like eh. yeah that is cool that is interesting for sure uh so the another like really big factor that we didn't really talk about is obviously theology and and religion and and introduction mm-hmm. of christianity uh, and and so what was the influence of of that and what was ancient roman theology because i always like you know just in general conversation and 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 popular culture you hear about greek mythology and greek theology and what they believed in greek god that's the phrase that's always thrown around but i keep thinking so what so what was roman theology before christianity and how did christianity kind of impact uh, you know what what happened with the roman empire um so very famously the romans just kind of stole all of the fucking greek gods and myths <laughs> oh that's that's the deal uh, okay that's why maybe yeah. i'm confused yeah that's that's probably why it's usually um greek and roman myths um mm. is like the because it's mostly greek myths and then there's like two stories from um like that rome made up like i think psyche and cupid is like a roman original oh, okay i see but yeah, it right. still involves like psyche and psyche and um cupid who are like greek people um right. but yeah so the romans started out um as like like the pre-roman culture was like the etruscans um so like the etruscans had their own gods that morphed into some roman gods and then um they stole a bunch of like stories and myths from the greeks mm-hmm. um there was like a sequel spin-off to the iliad that um the roman poet virgil wrote which is the iliad um and it fucking put some thought into the name at least bro right <laughs> um but it's basically like the founding myth of rome tied back to like trojan times so basically um the iliad is about this trojan prince um aeneas who was able to escape the sack of troy and then he goes on a bunch of adventures and then he helps found rome that's mm. that's the plot in a nutshell so that's right. like the one famous thing that the romans um okay. the rome that roman theology really um dealt with but because the romans were essentially were first and foremost conquerors they kind of had um they kind of dipped their toes into all of the religions that they mm. conquered like there was a huge cult of isis um after um Egypt was conquered and even a little bit before um there was a huge cult of Isis who is an Egyptian goddess hmm. um there was a huge cult of Mithras who was some eastern deity oh Mithra um, yeah I, I, I think yeah, that's a, that's some sort of Persian ancient Persian yeah I think he's Persian Sumerian maybe um, I don't know yeah but there were like all of these cults from all these different places that um that the Romans conquered and then they um they became famous for like um emperor worship like they deified um most of mm. the Julio-Claudian emperors um they deified um Livia who was the first empress of Rome um so i think for the Romans there was a little bit more it's a um, nice nice little cocktail of everything yeah. and I, and i think that's this uh 
there's a lot of truth and resonance to this whole like concept of co-opting existing myths and existing you know uh, understanding of people's theology in in a new order and and that co-opting kind of gives them that power almost and i was watching this thing which kind of there's very interesting parallel there that uh, a lot of the uh, the current stage too and if specifically the ones that are kind of like you know quasi like dictatory type of you know like like a state like north korea so what they say is mm-hmm. the 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 kim family or uh, the kim jong un kim jong il they they co-opted these ancient korean myths about the mountains and the volcanoes and those are the kind of things mm-hmm. that they believed in and they took that they mixed it they mixed and mashed it with like you know communism and like the and and the the legacy of the kim family and now this 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 mixture essentially is what everybody now believes in and so there's like a smooth transition of all these people from thousands and thousands of years who believed in these myths have transitioned their their mind doesn't have to run away to like a, and and figure out a completely new thing it's a smooth transition but just the kim family is like kind of like inserted and that's their co-opting of the whole thing and they say like kim kim fucking the first guy was the mountain or something like that mm-hmm. so it's very interesting to see that that is kind of what is going on from what you described there yeah pretty much um like religion and politics have always been you know yeah. in in that mm-hmm. intertwined you know um like the reason why christianity became the official religion of the empire was for almost purely political reasons because mm-hmm. the empire was so fractured that Constantine was like, we need something to hold us together. And that is going to be Christianity. Um, and even then, you know, con- even then Christianity itself was so fractured that yeah. um, the Nicene Council, I believe it was called, was specifically Constantine called it together and was like, there are too many cults of Christianity. I made everyone convert so that we would all have some semblance of unity. So you guys are going to sit here on this island for a week and figure out what the fuck your doctrine is. And <laughs> no one else's doctrine is yeah. going to be acceptable. So that's where we got the um, recognized books of the Bible. That's where um, we got the Nicene Creed. That's where we got like pretty much the foundations of um, the official start of um, like christianity as the state religion and especially the start of orthodox christianity Greek orthodox ethiopian orthodox things like that um so it's really for like purely political reasons yeah and and the roman m sorry and and then when the roman empire fell Mm -hmm. um um the christian churches were pretty much the only thing keeping the world together um Mm. like the monks the abbeys were um, where all of where knowledge continued to flourish. Um, all of these pagan kings started um, converting to Christianity um, as a political power tool. Like, okay, I'll convert to Christianity, but you're going to give me all of your land, you know, yeah. and we're and you're not going to fight it. So there, there obviously were de- devout people, but for the most part, the first like 500 to 1,000 years of Christianity was like purely like a political move. Yeah, yeah. And, and the next 1,000 years leading up till now, but that's a, that's yeah. a different thing. Yeah. So, so super interesting. So what I was kind of trying to ask is, so so what was the, the, uh, the I guess, the timeline uh, in which uh, Christianity was introduced or co-opted? 
by the empire it was the western roman empire that did that or was it that happened yeah. later it was it was the western roman empire yeah um so there was so obviously christianity started in 3 AD when jesus died yeah when um, time starts was, yeah when time starts um and then there was um for the first 300 years it was a secret cult and like it was illegal because and and the main reason again political because the christians um refused to worship the empire the emperor as a god they were a political threat because part of the reason why they deified their emperors was for political clarity like mm-hmm. you can't depose me i'm a god like you can't depose my son i'm the son of a god you know stuff like that um so if you have a bunch of people running around saying you're not a god there's only one god then that's like a fucking danger <laughs> to your political entity so like they were mm-hmm. being persecuted um not because like oh they're they're evil bad people and they didn't want everyone to know the love of Jesus it was purely a political move um and so around 313 around the early 300s Constantine was born um Constantine was emperor he was one of like four emperors um because they had like that co-emperor and then co-vice emperor thing going on it was fucking stupid <laughs> um, I mean, the president, he, a vice um, president. Into, like, yeah, and then you have two, you have two presidents and two vice presidents, is basically what's happening. Oh, and God. everyone thought it was, a, and everyone thought that was a fine um, system of government, but it wasn't because Constantine was in a civil war with his co-emperor, so obviously it wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. So he, um, he won that battle. and then he was like okay well i got to be the only guy in charge if we want to get anything done so how can i do that oh okay i'll tell them that it's because god told me i'm supposed to nice. be the emperor nice. so he's like i saw the cross and jesus was like you got to be emperor and i was like okay and so then that's pretty much that's pretty much why um christianity became the official religion of the roman yeah. empire and is- damn like and and you got to respect the hustle like the guy like really thought about it and like he came up with, yeah. with a really like really good plan which basically again they, this word gets thrown around but that did really change the course of history you have like 2 yeah. 3 billion christians in the world right now for mm-hmm. like you know a, a large po- portion of of that uh, is, is accounted for by uh, what happened and that that political move that happened in mm-hmm. the 4th century AD yeah it's 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 wild to think about it's like it's wild that that one guy trying to justify a battle literally shaped like the next 2000 years of history because christianity then became the, the dominant religion um yeah. until the Well, still was during the crusades but um it's one that we gave them a run for their money for a little bit yeah and i mean like you know crusades and then like just global colonization other uh, religion and christianity mm-hmm. was was one of the major justifications for that so even mm-hmm. like how people moved around uh, in the world was kind of a, a product of that and uh, again like now there's more than 2 billion uh, from what i understand at least 2.5 billion people who self identify as christians So then you know, that's 33% of the world so that definitely was you know this is so weird to think about it that this one decision made by one guy really if you think about yeah. it he probably had counselors and all of that but that that's the dude one fucking dude who kind mm-hmm. of uh, you know made made this decision for for the world Yeah it's the one dude and it wasn't even Jesus 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the one dude that made Christianity the big thing wasn't even Jesus. Yeah, Jesus it, was a fucking hippie. He was just hanging out. Man. Hey, man, yeah. whatever, dude. This fucking, hey. <laughs> I don't know, smoke yeah, some Jesus weed, man. Like, like I think that's my... the vibe I get from Jesus. Yeah, please leave my hooker friend alone. She's a really nice lady. Like, that's, like, that's <laughs> Jesus, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's why history is so fascinating to me. Because, like, those little, like, tiny fucking, like, quirks of history are why so much is like so much has happened in our world like even like on a much less macro scale um the russian empire um so catherine the great um took power in like the 18th century she was a fucking badass but everybody resented being ruled by a woman so Mm -hmm. her successor her son paul put into um put into effect rules that women can't rule the russian empire anymore you can't a woman can't inherit yeah so fast forward like a hundred years um czar nicholas ii and his wife um alexandra are having trouble having a son and then because um alexandra is the granddaughter of um queen victoria who introduced the hemophiliac gene into the royal european bloodline and everybody's fucking inbreeding. Mm. Um, their son is born with hemophilia. Now they yeah. have four daughters. They have four very healthy, very intelligent daughters. But because this one guy was pissed at his mom for being the empress, their son, they couldn't, none of their daughters could inherit. So they had to keep this sick child alive and they couldn't okay. let anyone know he was sick. So that's how Rasputin got into power because somehow something that he did healed Alexei. And so his parents were like, we got to keep this fucking kid alive. We got to keep this creepy fucking wizard around. And that's part of the reason why World War One happened. Because Russia, because the, the Romanovs were, um, were assassinated because everybody hated Rasputin. He got assassinated. They were like, the Romanovs are weak. We need to, re- we need to get rid of them. That's how communism happened. And yeah. that's what, that's um, part of the next like hundred years of, of um of world history like it's these small things these small human moments wow the small human moment of inbreeding and misogyny (laughs) is what (laughs) caused communism and 200 million people dead by atrocities of war wow yeah just one dude who was like why is my mom in charge i hate it it's just like yeah it's wild this is this is part of the reason why i love history is just these tiny tiny oh, moments yeah. just lead to two thousand s- years of so much yeah it's very satisfying to think about it and maybe you know obviously this is just me and you talking and you know and and we're discussing this maybe there may be some simp- you know we're simplifying things and all of that but it's very satisfying to just like kind of try to connect these dots in at least some oh, way i mean that's yeah. part of the discipline of history is just connecting dots you know mm-hmm. like you find a shattered pot in Turkey and you try and figure out why did they make this pot? What did they do with it? What were these people like? You know, like so much of what we know from like pre like written history, like pre Homer is just from like digging up things Mm -hmm. and extrapolating them and figuring out like, okay, well these people would do this with that. So that means that they live like this, this and that, you know, that's so much of pre history for sure yeah you're like a shitty detective who's like trying to solve yeah, exactly. a case but there's nobody to indict there's nobody to convict just like just, you're just solving the case for the fuck of it yeah you're, you're just trying to figure out um how so how old did um greek girls get married in you know in greece why did they yeah. like both so much 
Yeah, and I, I'm sure there's like you know there's a lot of assumptions and leaps that are made there too. Like and 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 our understanding is skewed, and you can't know obviously for one hundred percent because there's you know you're working with with limited evidence. So uh, Trajan, like yeah, you were talking, no, yeah, I was just kind of like uh, going to bring it back to the the one thing about you said the female monarch, right? So in, in Russia, mm-hmm. they didn't want to like you know have a female empress or. A, female czar and a femme czar whatever she would have been called if she did become that uh how did england come to have fucking uh female monarch uh monarchs rather like over over the period like what what happened there um just everybody died <laughs> oh so like that's the died. wow so that's just uh there was they would so so the classism uh almost uh out powered the the misogyny in society yeah. to say that okay fucking let's have a broad in there but we can't have like some some low-blooded fucking person on pretty there. much there was a point in england where every single one of the claimants to the throne was a woman mm. um so they were like okay well i guess we have no choice like this is a subject for a whole nother podcast. Uh, if I get into uh, history, we will be here all night, and like okay. it, we're already running at like two hours. I think. Um, yeah. So no. Okay. Short no. Story, no. Yeah. No. Uh, they no. Just ran out of dudes. Ran out of dudes. Okay. That's the as a move. Um. Okay. So that that makes sense. Um. Uh, and and the whole class versus no. Do you like does class have more weight, uh, or or does does gender have or like no sex have more weight and in, in, in you making that decision that kind of happened in Indian politics also where mm. the, the, the the third Indian prime minister was a woman and everybody kind of cites that a lot of Indians you know who are like you know again the whole nationalist thing of look at America never even had a female president we we had a female prime minister in the 70s dude and like mm. what they fail to mention is she's the granddaughter of the first she's the daughter of the first prime minister and mm-hmm. and and the, the your class your social class mattered more and they're like we'd rather have a woman who belongs to a certain family certain class certain caste than have a dude from like something else mm-hmm. yeah, yeah okay I, I, yeah go on oh um i mean i think they play off of each other and in, in equal like at, at that point you got to pick your poison like would i rather have a woman that i don't respect <laughs> or would i rather have a poor person that i don't respect i you know yeah I, traditionally i think people like okay we'll we'll take the woman man like but we can't uh, fuck with these uh, you know these uh, low blooded people i don't know if low blooded is a word but yeah this this inferior person mm-hmm. so i do i do want to wrap it up here uh, no and i i kind of got a sense of like you know pretty much all the dots kind of connect here last couple of things uh, you know before we kind of uh, can tie the whole thing together to bring to mm-hmm. a nice conclusion is you uh, said a couple of times how that the the current american democracy american republic people get fucking pissed if you call it democracy i'm like okay dude easy it's fine just don't fucking lose it lose your mind because the american right. republic constitutional republic is some sort of has taken inspiration from from the roman republic so like mm-hmm. how much is it's an inspiration but a lot of people try to even say say that it's it's a direct it's direct quotes from from the bible and it's a whole christian thing and all the founding fathers were christian uh and then they this is a christian nation and that's the argument like what is it like what is what was more of an influence and and specifically to the roman republic how much of an influence was that um 
Well, the founding fathers were demonstrably not Christian. Most of them were like deists, which is just like a, it's a thing. Um, it's like an agnostic, think, like a kind of. Yeah, it's like an agnostic. Like I believe in a god, but I don't think he's like here. Like kind yeah. of. Yeah. Don't thing. believe in the bearded old man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I don't know too much about um, like early American history, but just from what I know, I believe that most of what the founding fathers believed like what the founding fathers like modeled the constitution off of was the roman republic and the greek um greek democracy like they specifically set out to be like okay these, this is what the romans did well this is what the romans didn't do so well um there's a lot of latin in um like on the dollar bill like e publius unum is like a latin phrase mm. um so that's like what the founding fathers set out to do that's definitely more um, Roman. Um, what ended up happening is America is kind of a Christian nation, if only because Christians have continued to rule it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, like, is there has become a point where like you could not have like a non-Christian president. Yeah. Like one of the things that people neglect to say that is so revolutionary about Bernie Sanders is that he is a Jew. He's an atheist Jew, but he is a Jew, and yeah. I, he is one of the few Jewish people who has really had an actual shot at being our president, you know? Yeah. Like, had. almost every... Yeah. Had, yeah. He's <laughs> or, done. Um, he's done. He, he, needs to, he needs to be done. He's very old. <laughs> um, I love him, but he, he just needs to rest. Um, but, so, like, yes, America's a Christian nation. No, that's not what the Founding Fathers wanted. It's just because, like, now we have so many Christian values. Mm -hmm. And, like, even if you go, like, to pre-colonial times, like, when, like, settlers were first coming to America, they were religious, um, they were religious dissidents fleeing persecution. Mm -hmm. So, like, those ideas of, like, Puritan Christianity has always been baked into the American psyche. But the Founding Fathers just happened to be, like, um, not just like rebels against the crown, but also social rebels, rebel, mm-hmm. rebelling against that like strict Christianity. And like they were around during the Enlightenment where people were um, thinking more about science and things and not, and starting to question a religious authority because religion was super corrupt at the time. Like the Catholic Church was mm. corrupt. Yeah, for sure. Um, but so. So yes and no. Like America yeah. is a Christian nation, but it shouldn't be. But it is. But it shouldn't be. Yeah, and, and I, so, I like, definitely. I think they both have equal weight. You know. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That 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 does make sense. And like how I've always looked at it, and just coming from an outside perspective, this makes sense to me. Is like America is like specifically like not a Christian uh, nation because there is there is specific precedent to like keep them separate and that's what Mm -hmm. america has done well is what i think is keeping christianity away from it so it's it's not done well because of it and i'd say it's done well in spite of it because you if you like open up the bible you'll see like all kinds of mad shit like people talking about disinfecting uh in hospitals with pigeon blood and like just like ridiculous stuff like that which is true Mm -hmm. of a lot of like every religious book and that's what like the middle east and a lot of the Muslim countries do wrong. You know, they they have wealth. Mm-hmm. You know, they have resources and wealth because of that. But they they try to run their social like you know the the, the social life of everybody in the country. The, the the morality of the country based on the book. And the book is antiquated. You know, but it's just mm-hmm. written by a dude. And like, 
that's why they have all these problems and they don't have the freedoms that you know, every human should have. And that's the opposite that is happening here. So it's, if anything, it's like the specific act of keeping the Bible out of how you rule the country and what rights people have, mm-hmm. have and what people do with their lives is, I think, you know, why, why America is successful. Obviously, there's problems. You know, we can talk for mm-hmm. hours about the problems, but talking about why it's successful in the way it is. Uh, is 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 can 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 be attributed to that yeah i feel like the further we go towards like christian conservatism the worse the country gets not because i have anything wrong with christianity i I obviously find it an incredibly fascinating religion but i think a lot of people don't i think a lot of people either deliberately obfuscate or forget that religion is all politics like the bible is not the word of god it's it's a political text like the book mm-hmm. of revelations was like um some like christian writing about the fall of the roman empire like the wicked decadent roman empire mm. that was the end of the world that they were talking about and then you know when you're reading the same book for like two thousand years <laughs> you know it gets it gets extrapolated you know it gets extrapolated into like oh well this is what god actually meant um and then when, because the Bible is an incredibly interesting story, it's an incredibly interesting read. Um, mm-hmm. So everyone's like um, writing like fan fictions about it, basically like Paradise Lost and all these spinoffs and all these biblical themes. It gets it gets baked into like your society and your art so much that you yeah. kind of forget that it is still just like a text, like a political satire, like all of this stuff written by people two thousand years oh. ago. That is a very yeah. interesting way to look at it. I, I I definitely see that, and I know it's it's nice way to see the, these other things as spin-offs, fucking hacks. You know, John Milton mm-hmm. just like a hack, fucking <laughs> right. uh, right. going off of the Bible. <laughs> Write your own stories, bro. <laughs> yeah, come on, Nikki. I know you're blind. Wasn't he blind? I think I asked this to somebody else, and they said they don't know. I yeah so, so. Uh, okay so fucking he, he could see and still he was a hack so that's even worse <laughs> i i mean yeah and that's like as as good a place as any to end like enough that all of that makes a lot of sense the roman empire you know and how like these different threads were like strung out of the, the things that happened you know so many years ago 2000 3000 years ago almost and and how they impact us now and it's just like you know cool interesting thing that happened then probably a lot of misery that went out to individual people that are parts of it that has to be an honorable mention but like it's just overall on a macro level super interesting stuff and then you fucking clearly know your shit so it was really great for me to listen to all of this and ask things that i have in my head and kind of make sense of the whole thing so i'm like super appreciative that uh, that you came on the show and and talk to talk to me yeah absolutely this was super fun um love talking about history can do it all day um luckily my boyfriend is also a history buff so like we have these discussions all day every day um so it was nice to talk to somebody else about it and get some new perspectives um but yeah no this was super fun um and i hope it i hope it has inspired some people to look a little bit past their um their own immediate history and just kind of kind of see what 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 the world is like or even just dig into like their own personal histories like their family histories because you know all this macro like great man shit that we're talking about like you can find the same patterns in your own family history like why do we live in tennessee it's because my great-grandfather you know shot a dude and had to run away you know (laughs) stuff like that um 
so I hope everybody um, decides to dig into their past because the past is what makes the future so yeah. interesting. Read, motherfuckers, read. Okay. Read. Yeah, that's the that's the first uh, verse in the in the Quran. Read. So I'm not fucking preaching Islam to you guys, but uh, hey, low key, read. <laughs> please, please read something. Read the awesome. Quran. I've heard the I've heard that it's very interesting. I haven't read oh, it. It's, it's, yet, it's pretty interesting. It's very dense in the sense yeah. of like just the subject matter. Like you like people just fucking write books on like a and a on a verse. You just like mm. break it down. So it's, it's very dense like that. I have read it, like I've recited it, you know, as a good Muslim mm. boy, I was required to recite it, you know, to get mm. my card into heaven, like as a little kid, like that's <laughs> uh, I recited it. And I recited it in Arabic and I was, you know, I, I, I can read Arabic, but I don't understand the language. I can't write it. I mm. just, I can just read it because that's like, you talk about teaching to the test. Like this was so narrow that I didn't even know what the words meant, I, but I got to read it yeah. and recite yeah, it. Yeah, I guess it's like, I guess it's like uh, Judaism with Hebrew and Catholics with Latin. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I guess Hebrew is still like people who are in in Israel and who like you know read the Talmud and 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 whatever. They 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 speak Hebrew at least, and P- Arabs speak Arabic. And the Islam mm-hmm. happens to be written in Arabic because it was you know found in the deserts of Arabia, and it didn't like it. it Christ, what happened to Christianity didn't happen to Islam in that sense that it stayed in Arabic. But I'm like, I grew up speaking a completely different language in a country that speaks a completely different language. So it was like a lot of mix and match, but I, I can still fucking read Arabic and not know what I'm reading. Hmm. Right. Cool. <laughs> I feel that. I didn't know that you were, I didn't know that you were Muslim. I thought you were a Hindu. I guess no. because I'm racist. That is... And I I am deeply offended by that statement. How can you call me a Hindu? I'm a Hind. Don't. <laughs> no. Nah. Uh, that's, that's that's something I didn't know about you, but, but we're already running too long. No, no, yeah, I'm not gonna hold you. Up. That's definitely a podcast for another time. I, and and yeah. you know, I'll that'll definitely come up more and more as I'm doing more of these. And I'll like, I'd definitely love to have you back again and you know, talk talk about another you know, the. the uh, England and the Tudor era and all of that stuff. That'd oh, be super absolutely. interesting too. Yeah, and uh, thanks so much for having me. Awesome, yeah, absolutely. I know if you have anything to plug your blog or or any of that, please. You know, a few people do listen to it, so maybe you know they they can look that up, and I leave it in the show notes and all that stuff. So uh, please go ahead and you know you can you can plug that and make make any mentions you'd like to. Um, I don't have anything specifically that I'm working on. Um, you can find me on Instagram and on Medium at Trajan Dunkley. Um, so if you want to like follow me there and keep up with any side projects that I end up doing, that's the place to do it. Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Trajan Dunkley, everybody. Historian extraordinaire, armchair historian. Yay. This was awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the whole episode. Again, I really appreciate all the listeners, especially the people who listen through the entirety of the thing. Please again, share uh, the podcast with somebody you think might like it. I will truly, truly appreciate that. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great rest of your whatevers. Bye.